Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. From Mansur's on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. For more than a decade, we've been talking about the changes brought about by e-commerce and how fewer of us are venturing out to malls and shops and opting instead for the convenience of e-retail platforms. As this brave new world of online shopping continues to evolve, we're seeing an ever-growing and fascinating landscape of entrepreneurs who are using pieces and parts of the new technology mixing with the old the virtual with the real, and coming up with new iterations of retail. With me today to discuss this is Nathan Pierce, CEO of Pierce Bespoke, a Baton Rouge clothier that is making custom tailoring more accessible, affordable, and easy to use by using some of the digital tools that have made e-commerce so popular with good old-fashioned handmade garments. Pierce Bespoke offers tailor-made suits and separates on the go through a mobile shop. They come to you, get your measurements, and whip up a design in just a few weeks. Nathan has been in the clothing business for much of his career. He launched a custom t-shirt making business while fresh out of college. He founded Pierce Bespoke in 2021, which now has brick and mortar locations in Baton Rouge, New Orleans, and Lafayette. He also franchises the brand now and has nearly 40 locations across the South. Nathan, it's a pleasure to meet you. Such a cool story and interesting concept. Thanks for being here on Out to Lunch. Great to be here. If you listen to radio shows and podcasts about business, you've probably heard entrepreneurs talk about the success of their companies, describing almost gleefully how they initially failed before they made it. Well, failure isn't always as much fun as these success stories make it sound. Not every failure is followed by success. Sometimes it's followed by a career change. Take, for example, Conrad Freeman. Today, Conrad runs the Fabrication Lab in the LSU College of Art and Design. It's a lab where faculty and students can design and build stuff using a variety of materials. Before that, in 2017, Conrad founded Freeman Handcrafted Designs, which made contemporary furniture by hand for commercial and residential customers. While Conrad's furniture was beautiful, the market for his high-end products was small in Baton Rouge, and running the business was challenging which is why he left after a few years of founding the company for the position at LSU. Conrad, I'm looking forward to hearing your story, the trajectory of the company, and what you're doing now at the very, very cool and fascinating LSU College of Art and Design Design Lab. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for being here. Well, Nathan, I want to start with you because Pierce Bespoke sounds like such a great idea, and I want to know how it works, but tell me first about the demand for bespoke apparel because most people I see walking around today are in their yoga clothes. <laughs> it's, it's true, and what we're trying to do is change that. Uh, I think people are a little bit too comfortable, and what we've recognized and what I realized early on was when you dress up, you feel better. When you dress up, you're confident. When you dress up, you can talk more confidently, you can pitch better, 
and it's usually all eyes on you because now you're the rare one when you right? walk into a restaurant <laughs> or a bar or a happy hour. And for us, confidence equals success. And I think for a lot of people, they can say the same. So, you know, Pierce Bespoke doesn't just sell suits. We sell confidence and we sell convenience. Uh, convenience, we're busy. We only have so many hours in a day. So if we can save people time by coming to you, by having your measurements on file, by simply showing you through fabrics what look good together and then saving the order in the system, placing the order, and you don't have to deal with anything else. You don't have to go to a store. Uh, you know, that's what we're about, convenience and confidence. And, and before we get too much into the nuts and bolts of it, I'm, I'm gonna bring Conrad in, but just tell us real quick, you don't actually employ the tailors. You, you contract with <clears throat> a Correct. bunch of, yeah. Correct, so we're basically a sales company uh, and we are a white glove service that if a button breaks, we're there to fix it, even if it wasn't our fault. Uh, and I think it's something that's lacking today, not just in the clothing industry, but in every industry. A lot of service is missing. So we're trying to bring that back. Uh, it happens to be in an old school custom clothing way with the modern twist on technology and appointment booking. But yeah, um, we are a contractor of tailors in the franchise territories. So we work with them directly. We negotiate rates. We give them a lot of volume, but we are just the white glove service that measures, takes orders, and then delivers the garments. So interesting. Well, Conrad, let's bring you into the conversation here because you also have a desire to produce handcrafted quality things, obviously a lot of talent in that area, and you had a company that made high-end handcrafted furniture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my business was making fine furniture, uh, designing, working alongside uh, architects and interior designers, um, and I really, when I was doing it, I, I strove to produce the best pieces possible, uh, craftsmanship to the highest quality that I could is something uh, that I was passionate about and still am. Um, and there's just something really satisfying about um, hand producing things that are high quality and like the value that they have, the, the sentimental nature that they have. Like this is a really valuable object because time and passion were poured into it. And, and unique, one of a kind, perhaps, yes, unique. right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and that idea had, uh, you, you founded that company in 2017. Had, mm -hmm. had that been germinating in your head for a while? Yeah. So I studied uh, sculpture at the College of Art and Design, LSU. Um, so I work at the same place I study, which is really, really fun. Um, but I remember talking to one of my professors my senior year, probably, that I, I really wanted to lean into craftsmanship um, and, and produce things that were were well made um, and since then it's it's evolved and it's it's become almost an obsession a passion um, it's it gets in the way sometimes uh, and but it is something that's very important to me and it, and it, it came about early on yeah okay and and so you launched the company but it was hard to generate oh, enough yes. business yes. for it was that the bottom line you think um, Nathan, as you talk, I, I see the difference between us. Like we have same underlying, uh, there's, there's similarities in like our drive, but you have qualities that I, I just don't. And what it came down to for me was I just did not enjoy running a business. Like I adore furniture design and hand making things. 
and spending time in the shop and I just am not I don't think that I was uh, I guess I don't there's business qualities that I just do not have and, and at the end of the day I, I just simply did not enjoy running a business and it had wore me out what I loved was no longer something I wanted to do uh, it took seven years to do that and uh, I think I was conscious of it like the challenge and the the possibility of that happening the whole time so I got through seven years and and right when it started to happen I I called it quits um, I, no I think your authenticity is so you know and, and self-awareness mm -hmm. is so impressive and I don't even like the word failure because I think in some ways it was <laughs> yeah. it was almost a success that you recognized this about yourself. Yeah. It's not a bad trait, it's just who you are and decided to pivot in a different direction. You, and you never would have learned it if you didn't do it. Right. So oh, absolutely. most people hit the wall of I'm not even gonna try it. Yeah. So it's it's not a failure by any means. Yeah. It's about what you enjoy, what gets you excited when you wake up in the mornings. For some people it's running a business. For some people, it's about the craftsmanship behind the actual product. Mm -hmm. And if the business isn't what excites you, don't run the business. Yes. Life's short. <laughs> Be excited about what you do every day. It's why we sell franchises. So yeah. let's talk about that. Um, why the franchise? Did you want to scale this concept? Is that the only way to really make it lucrative? Yeah, so I found a gap in the market. And there was, there's, we're not the first person to ever create mobile tailoring. Uh, okay. It's been around. There's billion-dollar companies that are doing it right now. But I recognized a gap in affordable bespoke clothing, mm -hmm. which we are, with fast delivery, with white glove service. Uh, and there was a gap in the market for the franchise concept, being able to franchise it. Uh, no one had franchised it before. So for us, it was a competitive advantage, not just as a brand to stand apart from the current competitors that are out there, but for us to be a franchise and be the only custom clothing model uh, was an opportunity that we had to jump on because first to market is about speed. And yes, we could scale very, very quickly through franchising, which we have. Um, but being a more of a visionary leader where I see down the road and opportunities and creating opportunities, uh, sometimes it's not necessarily a good thing. You grow so fast that you've got to play catch up. And, and we've actually done a pretty good job of hiring people to account for support and making sure franchisees are taken care of. But. So I know we talked a little bit about the way the business works, but let's go back through a couple of the steps. Do you all actually design the clothes? Yes. Or do you farm that out to outside designers? No, we design do it. We design it in-house. Uh, here we in offer, Baton Rouge. Yep. You hire designers or you're the guy? I'm the guy. Um, nice. So we have for our franchisees, corporate leads the charge on what the designs they're allowed to offer are. So the sales force that's out there in the field uh, go through the POS system based on clothes that I've designed, and that's what they allow their customers to select. How wide do you want your lapels, peak or notch? Uh, which pockets do you want on the suit? Uh, pleats, no pleats, and then we get a little innovative in terms of new product launches. Drawstring trousers, for instance, is a new one that we just launched. Uh, and it's a you sound a little bit yoga-ish. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. It's a it's a play to the guys that don't necessarily want a suit anymore. They want to be comfortable, but it allows them to be comfortable and look like they're in a suit. Okay. And then the fabric, um, is that you select that also, yep. and you give like a yep. Right? So we we select from the best European mills 
uh, and then we eliminate fabrics and hand select fabrics based on that season's collection. And then our sales force with franchisees all over the United States uh, push the fabrics that we select on the front end. So interesting. Okay, well, I want to come back to some of that. But Conrad, tell us a little bit about what you are doing in the College of Art and Design right now and what the Fabrication Lab does because you're teaching students today or helping enable mm -hmm. them yeah. how to learn how to build and make handcrafted things. Yeah, so a lot of it is what you just said. I, I fa facilitate uh, research and uh, the iteration of ideas and, and just helping students to understand how to design and to fabricate and how to design for fabrication. Uh, we, the Fabrication Lab houses 3D printers and CNC machines of all kinds um, and it's, we service uh, landscape architecture, architecture, interior design, and the studio arts. Nice, um, nice. And so, so that would include furniture, for instance? Uh, my furniture okay. <laughs> that I'm now starting to do for fun again, uh, which is really nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, and so it's a, it's a place for research. It's a place for um, advancing these, these practices. And, um, yeah. and, and, and what kinds of things are students coming up with that you're helping them make? Um, gosh, all kinds of things, honestly. That's favorite last semester. <laughs> last semester, it's it's fun working with students because they they often do very very interesting things. They're at the the beginning of like them starting to have ideas about things that will span the rest of their life. Uh, and so, what what it, uh, there's been like uh, for ceramic students, um, we we'll do it's it might be hard to explain and no. to visualize but uh like slump molds uh -huh. so they'll they'll create like a a negative of what they actually want and we'll mill that out of this high quality foam and they will take slabs and lay them over it and press them in and once it's dried it has the positive of that shape um fun and so i'm working with grad students to do that um and but a lot of it is just general small objects for architecture students, uh, small scale buildings and things like that that will 3D print or like site plans and stuff that will mill um, with terrain and stuff. And then you're making your furniture on the side for fun. Do you for fun, yeah. give it away or try to sell it for fun, like um, at a farmer's market kind of thing? No, I... Online? I really haven't had any interest in getting back into any kind of market. Uh, what I've been doing is um, playing with ideas that I've had since I was in business, but never had the time to do. And then now I have the machines to do it. Um, and so it's for our house, uh, the things that I'm making. You know, just like coffee tables, smaller furniture that are just fun and easy to handle. Lovely. Yeah. So we need to take y'all home, right? One can make the clothes and one yeah. can make the furniture. And yeah. We just need to cook and we're set, I think, yeah. right? We'll start bartering. That's wonderful. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Conrad Freeman of the LSU College of Art and Design and Nathan Pierce of Pierce Bespoke. We'll continue our conversation when we come right back from this short break. Support for Out to Lunch Baton Rouge comes from Adita Corporate Staffing. Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, Infinite Health Integrative Medicine Center, Michelle Weighing and Measurement, Calibration Services and Measurement Equipment since 1947, 
New Orleans ice cream. Available in select grocery stores and Rev Realtors. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Conrad Freeman of the LSU College of Art and Design and Nathan Pierce of Pierce Bespoke. Nathan, how do you find these different tailors, the the people that are going to actually do the work to produce the clothes and guarantee that it's going to be done quickly? And yeah. yeah. So my, I think it's probably the reason there's not another custom clothing franchise on the market that does what we do. The barrier to entry is not easy, um, and it's part of trailblazing. Is you know some of it you have to learn and. Luckily, my background's been manufacturing for a long time, and I hate manufacturing. I was I owned a factory <laughs> for several years with hundreds of employees, and I'm a sales guy and a marketing guy. So you trap a sales guy and a marketing guy into a metal building with a bunch of employees at sewing machines, and you not know, fun. no, it's not. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get out of it. So, you know, I, I it was important though. It was an important time in my life where I learned the ins and outs of manufacturing. Uh, flows and how the machines need to be set up and how the products are made and distribution to wholesale. We were in about a thousand retail stores with my first brand um, to e-com and building websites and we doubled our revenue on e-com. But, you know, it was that those times that I hated that taught me how to set up the partnerships with the tailor shops that we have today uh, and the mills and quality control standards making sure logistics are set up correctly and tariffs are in place. So a lot of things that I learned at an early age, probably the youngest manufacturing plant owner in the country at that time, I was 21. But um, as much as I hated it, you know, it kind of goes back to not having failures. Like to me, that was a failure. It looked like it was a huge success and it was exciting and fun. But deep down, I hated what I did. But it led me to where I am today, which is not owning the factories, partnering with the factories, letting people do what they're good at, hiring people for my weaknesses that I don't enjoy doing, uh, and getting to really stick to where I thrive and what I enjoy doing. And this manufacturing business you refer to was your t-shirt business that you founded right out of college, or perhaps in college. You were a business major, I'm guessing. You had to have been. I was. But you gravitated towards apparel and textile, or t-shirts were just a thing. Saw a gap in the market again. Uh, I saw that sorority girls were throwing these big parties and they were wearing their swap t-shirts every time they did it and uh, I started making t-shirts for their parties and I ended up taking over the Millsaps campus as the t-shirt guy making the swap t-shirts. Wow, that and, was where uh, you went to college. That was where I went to college and then I ended up, there was a sorority that approached us that wanted a green pocket tee and the supplier didn't offer a pocket tee in green. So we built a pocket tee for her by hiring a fraternity brother and had him teach himself how to sew. And no kidding. Next thing you know, we had a multi-million dollar t-shirt company uh, that was all over the United States. Amazing. And did it specialize in the Greek market, yep. university stuff? Yep. It was called Fraternity Collection. It went after just fraternities and sororities. In fact, we named it Fraternity Collection. And it just goes to show, <laughs> if you're a business owner, you got to be able to pivot. And we targeted fraternities hard. Sorority girls were the ones buying our products. So we named it Fraternity Collection, branded it Fraternity <laughs> Collection, targeted fraternities, and we did $2 million in sales our first year with sorority girls. Wow. So by year two, we pivoted and we targeted sorority girls. Came out with sorority t-shirts and everything else. But, yeah, it was like, you know, the partnerships with the tailor shops, to your original question, the partnerships with the mills take years to develop. Um, I invested heavily in it and heavily in the relationships, getting to know them, 
strengths and weaknesses and helping them hire for the places that we needed to really improve. And now we have standards, quality control and logistics to make sure everything comes in perfect every single time. So, I mean, if you've got a talent, a drive, a, a, a love, a passion, and an ability <clears throat> to do something creative, do you have to have that business acumen to make it work as a business? Or do you have to just try to find a, a partner maybe or hmm. land a good job? Or I... That's a difficult question to, to answer. Uh, I would say that like my business was always profitable. It never made much profit. And, and so I, I could have kept going for years. Um, I think that if you're driven creatively only, that's probably going to destroy you over time uh, if, if it's just hard always and you're doing the thing that you enjoy or enjoyed, like, after several years, I think, of just uh, grinding away at that, it, it would probably be really difficult unless you really loved business and had the drive to to branch out. And I, I did not pivot. Uh, I didn't know what I would have pivoted to besides, like, making picnic tables or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, and But my, my business was okay, but I think that's because of the other side of me, which is very analytical and calculated. And I liked pinching the pennies and, and running my business extremely lean uh, and just kind of being, kind of enjoying like how, like that practice of like, how can I make this run on so little uh, was always kind of fun to sure. me in a way. Yeah. But uh, As opposed to like sales and marketing and investing yeah, and getting yeah. the message out. I invested say. into like how, how, how can I make this run on, on so little as opposed to like let me go find new clients and branch out and network and market and all that stuff. Uh, I, I, I turned to my strengths. And so I don't know that I'm answering your question. Oh, I think but, totally. uh, it's a case-by-case case thing for sure. Um, yeah. I, I think it, yes, if, if you got to know yourself. And you've got to know what you're good at and you've got to know what you enjoy. And it's funny because most of the time, especially coming from a person that hires a lot of people, uh, you know, my, my theory is get it, want it, capacity to do it. Every time I hire somebody, those are the three things I look at. Do they get it? Do they want it? And do they have the time and are they willing to put in the time to do the job? And if all three things aren't true, I don't make the hire. So you have to – sometimes people's strengths – are good enough for what they are and you just got to go all in on what their strengths are but if they don't want to do it they're strong at it but they don't want to do it yeah. doesn't do any good yeah. and yeah. I've I don't know I think you have to know yourself and be self-aware enough to know what your weaknesses are it's a hard thing for most people mm -hmm. yeah. but you got to be able to hire for the place that you're not great which means either finding a partner yeah or getting far enough along and grinding it out to the point <laughs> to where you can afford to hire yeah. somebody yeah and you know what option do you go with? I, oh, franchising, for instance. Yeah. I didn't know anything about franchising. Right. Uh, I knew that the custom clothing model worked. I'd proven it myself by doing it myself and guinea pigging it myself in Baton Rouge first. But I aligned myself with franchise partners that had been in it for 20 and 30 years. So I have three investors and equity partners now. And all three of them uh, have been where I have not, which is franchising. So it saved me. 20 years of learning franchising by aligning myself with people that knew it.
Uh, and for me, having one location that did really, really well versus having 40 in less than two years uh, was a difference between me aligning myself with franchising partners or doing it all solo. Scalability. Is it more fun for you to play with the business or to design the clothes? To be honest, I don't really enjoy designing the clothes. Uh, I am you know, kind of going back to like describing myself. I'm a visionary. I see long-term down the road where I want the business to go, and I enjoy taking a really talented team that I've built and trying to get them all to row in the same direction. Okay. Uh, and, and that means achieving goals and checking them off. Uh, so long-term goals of how many locations do we want to be in, uh, international expansion, partnership opportunities. A big, a big thing that happened to us this year was fitting Jaden Daniels for his Heisman suit. Wow, that's um, huge. So we got a lot of publicity around it. Um, he's become an awesome brand partner and face of Pierce Bespoke for us. But, you know, what next opportunities can we partner with and align with to drive towards our goal? So that, that's what I enjoy. Designing clothes, don't get me wrong, I, I enjoy it, but building this company and hiring talent, probably hiring talent excites me more than anything else. Nice. Conrad, what, what, um, what are you looking forward to for your next, for your next step? Is, is the fabrication lab just a means to an end for being able to support yourself while you design your creative um, products and furniture? Um, I think that's something I'm still figuring out. Uh, to be honest, I've never been more content and happy and thankful with what I'm doing right now. That's fabulous. It's, it is. I have had how many people are miserable? Right. I've had it's. I mean, it's been almost a year and a half now. It, it's been a year and a half now, and I've had zero bad days. And I'm there, like more than five days a week. I'm there on the weekends a lot of the time, just doing something. I'm also getting my masters, and so I'll be there studying. And I just, I just love being there. I love being in the lab. I so enjoy working with students and working with people who there's like a larger goal that we're all working towards, not just me by myself. I have to make it happen, but I don't want to make it happen. Like, you know, it, there's none of that anymore. And uh, so I don't know. Like, you know, I, I could stay here indefinitely. I have, I have no idea. Um, I like where I'm at more than I ever have before. And, um, and I'm, I am thankful for my business because it got me where I am now. And, and in a way, the running the fabrication lab is like running a business. I don't have to worry about money as much. And, you know, LSU provides that, uh, but I still have a budget and, and I still, I actually have employees now. I didn't before. Um, and so it was a stepping stone to where I am now and I am so much more happy here and so but I, I don't think I would have this job if, had I not had the business and so um, not a failure yeah Le for sure leadership <laughs> qualities yeah and now you have a team that you lead yeah and I'm learning how to lead <laughs> it's always always yes. learn no one perfects leadership yeah but you know it's something you just strive for is just being better yeah and, but dude waking up with happy days <laughs> I mean that's that's what everyone on earth's goal is no matter yeah, how I mean, yeah. most of your time is spent working and i mean it'll be like thursday and i'm like shoot i only got two days left this week <laughs> yeah 
That's so fantastic. <laughs> and nobody, not many people say that, and I, I'm aware of that, so <laughs> try and hold on to that as much as I can. Wow, what a pleasure to hear your yeah. story. And and Nathan, do you have bad days at Pierce Bespoke? Oh my God, absolutely. <laughs> uh, they don't start with bad days. You know, every day I. It's hard to have. It's hard to be down in the dumps. It's hard to stress if you practice gratitude. So you know, I have a one-year-old baby girl that's healthy. I have the most incredible freaking wife on earth that lets me travel, and work late hours, and do what I love, and build this company. So you know, if you're grateful, it's hard to have bad days. It's hard to stress if you're counting your blessings instead. So. You know, one of the things I've learned over the last couple of years, instead of getting down in the dumps, is just count your blessings, and it kind of grounds you pretty quickly. But yeah, yes, it gives you perspective for sure. There's there's bad days, um, but I'm very passionate about what I do. My team, I've got a very passionate team, uh, and they help drive us forward. Well, Nathan Pierce and Conrad Freeman, it's so great to meet creative entrepreneurs who are honest about the challenges they faced and have taken the lessons learned through experience to create and give back to others. Baton Rouge is lucky to have you both and or grateful. <laughs> and we look forward to keeping tabs on your continued success. Thanks so much for taking time to share your stories with me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Nathan Pierce of Pierce Bespoke and Conrad Freeman of the LSU College of Art and Design. We edited this show to fit into our time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Nathan and Conrad on the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsbatonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Today's photos were taken by Brian Pavlich. You can find more Brian's photos at pavlichphotography.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. And our associate producers are Peter Raschuti and Ann Edelman. Today's show was engineered by J.T. O'Neill. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you around the table at Mansour's again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. To Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.